The following is a message of First Baptist Richardson. For more information, please visit fbcr.org. It was worth coming to church just for that. Amen. Thank you so much. Thank you. And don't leave. I got a little devotional thought, so uh, stay with me. But thank you so much for uh, the great music. What a, what a blessing this morning. Let me start with my own Father's Day blessings to uh, many of you. We do hope and pray that it's a good day for you. You know, earlier this morning, I had the great idea that I would give myself a Father's Day gift. (laughs) And so I thought I would, I thought I'd just go online and get a couple of tickets to the Rangers game this afternoon it's at one thirty, and I thought, well, Kathleen and I, we can go over there. And there aren't any tickets available, except for like $400, and I didn't even have to pray about that. So <laughs> what happened to the good old days? You know, when they were terrible, you could drive over and get a ticket for $10. When I was in seminary, now we had no money, and so we would, when we lived between Fort Worth and Arlington, and Kathleen taught school in Arlington, and we'd wait till the, we'd listen on the radio, and at the sixth inning, we would get in the car and drive over, get there by the seventh inning when you could get in free. (laughs) Those were the days. But so much for my Father's Day gift to myself, but uh, thank you for being here. And for those of you who are in Worship East this morning, thank you for being here and being a part of our service. Delighted to have you and enjoyed being with you in person there last week. You know, I like my name. My name's David, and um, I like that name. It's a, I think it's a good, solid name. I thank my parents for giving me that name, and I like my namesake, which is King David of the Bible. And uh, he's got an amazing, fascinating, incredible story. And uh, I had earlier told Andy I was going to preach one sermon, but I'm not. So uh, I changed my mind. You know, pastoral prerogative. Uh, And so... uh, well, that's just the way it is. I'm just going to do what I want to do. So, uh, so, blessings. I'm following the plan the rest of the way. I probably. Uh, but I want to talk a little bit on this Father's Day about David and a little bit of his story. That you know, I'm, I'm not a Bible scholar. I've told you that before. But I am a Bible reader, and as I read his story, I have to say, you know, sometimes I read between the lines. And that's what I want to talk a little bit about this morning. But we'll start in 1 Samuel chapter 13, verse 14. So, uh, and Kathleen and I have the prayer guide that we've been praying along with you this week, and so thank you for doing that. But if you have your Bible, turn with me to the uh, Old Testament book of 1 Samuel chapter 13, verse 14. You'll be familiar with this. Uh, let me go ahead and start at verse 13, just to kind of get the gist of, of what is said. 1 Samuel 13, I'll start at verse 13. Samuel said to Saul, you have been Foolish 
You have not kept the command the Lord your God gave you. It was at this time that the Lord would have permanently established your reign forever over Israel. But now your reign will not endure. The Lord has found a man after his own heart. Let me stop right there. So, bottom line before we go anywhere else, what made David so usable and so useful as a servant of the Lord was his heart was in the right place. So we just start there. The foundation for everything that I will talk about in these next few minutes is here. David's heart was in the right place. Now, just to to back up a little bit. Israel came out of Egypt. Joshua led them into the promised land. After he died, they were led for a number of years by judges or prophets. They were currently being led by the prophet Samuel, but the people asked for a king. And so against uh, God's wishes and Samuel's better judgment, he anoints Saul king because of Saul's impatience, because of Saul's uh, arrogance. Uh, The kingship is taken away from me and it's given to someone else and it's given to David. And so David had his heart in the right place, but I think there are some other things about his life, if you read between the lines, that made him usable and useful for kingdom work. And so that's what we're going to talk about in these next few minutes. So if you have your Bible, turn a couple of pages over to 1 Samuel chapter 16. And I'm going to look at verse 11. 1 Samuel 16 verse 11 says this, Samuel asked him. Now I'll, I'll come back and fill in a couple of blanks. But Samuel asked him, that's Jesse, David's father. Are these all the sons you have? Jesse says, well, the, still the youngest, he answered. But right now, he's tending the sheep. Samuel told Jesse, send for him. We won't sit down to eat until he gets here. So Jesse sent for him. He had beautiful eyes and a healthy, handsome appearance. Then the Lord said, anoint him, for he is the one. So did you notice what happened in there between the lines? So here's the story. Samuel gets this impression from the Lord that he is to go to Bethlehem to the house of a man named Jesse and he is to anoint one of Jesse's sons as king, as the next king. He goes to the house, Jesse lines up his sons basically and kind of files them by. First one, very impressive looking young man and Samuel looking externally seems to say, This is it, but the impression of the Holy Spirit is no, someone else. And so he says, next. And then he says, next. And then he says, next. And he goes through all six of his sons. Finally, he doesn't have the impression that any of these are who he is supposed to anoint as king. And almost, almost in desperation, he says, do you have any more sons? I know I'm supposed to be here anointing one of your sons, but it's not one of these. And Jesse says, well, actually I do. I have one more. Where is he? Well, he's watching the sheep. Go get him. We're not going to sit down until he gets here. Describes David and 
it just seems like if you read between the lines, when they went to get David, he was where he was supposed to be and he was doing what he was supposed to be doing. They went to get him and they found him. And they brought him back and Samuel anointed him king. So what's the point? His heart was in the right place, but because of that, he seemed to have a dependable, responsible character. And so on this Father's Day, I think maybe it's best that we begin with this. Be dependable. Be responsible. Be where you're supposed to be and do what you're supposed to be doing. Be someone others can count on. The first church I ever had a chance to be the pastor of was the first Baptist church of Blum, Texas. If you're from there, you can say that in two syllables. But this past April, uh, Kathleen and I had a chance to go back there and I preached for the first time there in that church in 40 years. It was a beautiful, wonderful Sunday, and it brought back so many memories, and most of them were good. And so I remember when I became their pastor, I was 24 years old. I tell people, when I went there, it wasn't that I didn't know anything. I didn't even suspect anything. (laughs) So what I didn't know was how to use church committees and all that sort of thing. I I didn't know that. I need it. I wasn't just the pastor. I was also the administrative assistant. And I set up the chairs. And I trimmed the hedges. I mean, I was the man. So, as the secretary of the church, it was my responsibility to do the Sunday bulletins, and we could not have church. I don't know how y'all have church without bulletins. So, uh, we could, back then, we couldn't have church without bulletins. And so we had, some of you will know what I'm talking about. Those of you of a younger age, you can Google this. Uh, We had a mimeograph machine. Now, it was a contraption about this long, had a big cylinder in the middle, kind of a a tray on the end, and you put this purple paper around it, and you, you, first of all, you typed on the purple paper, you put it on the cylinder, stacked some paper on the end, and then it had a crank, and you turned the crank, and believe it or not, it came out with a printed page on the other side. So that was my job, part of my job. So I had the idea that, you know, what if we bought a copy machine? Let that sink in. So I didn't know I was supposed to use the finance committee or any other kind of committee. It was a Wednesday night, a business meeting. There were 15 of us there, and um, we went through the old business, no old business. Is there any new business? There was no new business, but I raised my hand. Now, I was at the, I was, you know, monitor, I was uh, moderating the meeting, so I raised my hand. Pretty big surprise there on the part of the other 14 that the pastor had a recommendation without going through anybody else. But I did. I said, I'd like to recommend that we buy a copy machine. It was quiet. (laughs) Until one man raised his hand and he had an alternative recommendation. It was this. He said, I recommend instead of buying a copy machine that we hook up an electric motor to the mimeograph machine (laughs) and that we get the pastor 
And, then, and secondly, and that we hook up a roll of paper on the end of the copy machine. And then thirdly, that we give the pastor a sharp knife so that when the motor turns the paper, he can just slice off the copies as they come through. We had two recommendations on the floor, and we voted 14 to 1. to buy a copy machine. (laughs) The next day, I am in my little office. There's a knock on the door, and it's the man who made the recommendation. And I thought to myself, oh boy, here it comes. He came in, and he sat down, and he put his hand on a little check, and he slid it across the table to me. The copy machine was going to cost us $400. And he gave me a personal check for $400. And you know what I thought right then? At the age of 24, this is a man I can count on. This is a man who knows all we're doing here is not about him. It's about us. More than that, it's not just about us. It's about the Lord Jesus Christ. This is a man I can count on. And what I'm saying to you today is be someone others can count on. In your family, be someone that the other people in your family can count on. Be responsible, be dependable, be where you're supposed to be, do what you're supposed to be doing in the church. Be someone that others here in the church, First Baptist Richardson, can count on. Whatever your responsibility is, do it, do it well, be there. Be where you're supposed to be. Do what you're supposed to be doing. And if you do not have a ministry responsibility in the church, get one and be faithful to it. And then when it comes to your friends, be a friend that others can count on. I have noticed nowadays that when our friends make mistakes, we tend to walk away. And I'm encouraging you to walk in. When do they need us the most other than when they've made mistakes? So, what was it about David? If you just read between the lines, it seems to me like he was dependable. And if you just keep reading, it does seem like he had a good reputation. Let me, let me explain. Look on down here to verse... Uh, all right, let's go to verse 16. Let our Lord command your servants here in your presence to look for someone who knows how to play the lyre, the harp. Whenever the evil spirit from God comes on you, Saul the king, that person can play the harp and you will feel better. Then Saul commanded his servants, find me someone who plays well and bring him to me. One of the young men answered, I have seen, some of your translations say, I have heard of a son of Jesse in Bethlehem who knows how to play the lyre. What? So Saul's still the king. But He's gotten this message that the kingship is going to be taken away from him. So, you know, that hurts his feelings. And really, it gets worse. He gets a, he gets a depressed, angry spirit about him. And sometimes that, that anger flares up. But in the, in the palace, they seem to have noticed, if you read between the lines, they seem to have noticed that music would calm his spirit. And so they said, let's find somebody out there who can really play well. 
And when the, scene, the, the king seems to have these fits of rage, that person can start playing and maybe it'll calm his spirit and then we can manage here. And then somebody says, hey, I have seen a kid. I have heard of someone. What does that say to you? It says to me that he had a good reputation over there and it, it made its way from Bethlehem all the way to the palace. I have seen, I have heard of somebody who can play well, go get him. And they do, and it all works out until, you know, the Saul, Saul tries to throw a spear at him, but that's another story. All I'm saying is he had a good reputation. It doesn't seem like, I don't probably what I'm going to say next is not true. You probably don't have any preachers who stand before you and tell you that. But what I'm going to say next is, is, is not really true, but it just seems like it. It seems like whoever you are, wherever you are, wherever you go, your reputation gets there before you do. Well, that was the case here. He had a good reputation. You know, one time I was the uh, pastor of the First Baptist Church in Weatherford, Oklahoma. Oh, it's a great church. Loved being there. When we, when we went in view of a cause, a beautiful day. We moved about two weeks later. We were so excited they had a Kentucky Fried Chicken in town. I just, oh, we were so happy about that. So my, our, our family picture appeared on the front page of the Weatherford, Oklahoma newspaper that first week that I was there as the pastor. So I've been there a week. It was a Monday night. And we had, Kathleen was home. We had our two little children there and there's a knock on the front door. So I opened the front door and um, two high school boys from the church. And they said, hey, uh, preacher, we'd like to take you out to, to get a, a Coke just to get to know you better. And I thought, how cool is this? They want to get to know the preacher. High school kids want to get to know the preacher. I said, Kathleen, I'm going to go with these guys to get a Coke. And so we got to go out and get in the car and we go to the Sonic. I didn't know they had a Sonic. And so we went to the Sonic, you know, we, we, we get our drinks and I pay for them. And, uh, <laughs> and so, and then we drive away and we're kind of driving around town. I don't know where I am. I've only been there a week. And I really didn't know where I was when we left the city limits. And so we were driving out in the country. And, and I'm, I'm okay. I don't know where I am. And then we stopped the car. And that's when I hear somebody say something I never thought I would hear as a pastor. Those boys turned around and looked at me and said, Hey, preacher, do you want to steal some watermelons? You'll be pleased to know, I said, no. (laughs) But they are undeterred. They open the doors. They get out of the car. Apparently, we had pulled up next to a watermelon patch. They get out of the cars, and and I'm sitting in the back seat, and I'm thinking, I am uncomfortable here. And then I see some lights in the car come on down the hill, and I start sweating, and I, so I just, oh, my picture's going to be on the paper, on the front page of the, of the paper again. 
And, and so the, the car, the lights start coming towards us. And, and, and then I hear a sound that no preacher ever wants to hear. But if you've ever heard the sound of a shotgun, you, you, you know. So I hear, the, I hear a shotgun. And I just sink in the back seat. And that's when I say something I didn't think I would ever say as a pastor. I say, well, if we're going to steal them, let's get them and go. And about that time, this truck pulls up, kind of slides up next to us. Those boys, they've got watermelons in their hands, and they're trying to get in the car, and I'm sunk in the back seat. And then all of a sudden, everybody starts laughing. Because in the back of the truck who pulled up beside us are the deacons of the church. (laughs) And those two boys are a couple of their sons. Uh, You know, I thought I had lost my reputation in an instant. But isn't that the way it is? Can't you ruin a reputation much quicker than you can build one? Uh, And also, it dawned on me that nobody else is responsible for my reputation but me. And I really also thought... You know, it's never too late to start building, improving, enhancing your reputation. So, whoever you are, wherever you are, I think my first word today is guard, protect your reputation if it's good. If it's not what you want it to be, then take the steps to improve it and enhance it. And it's never too late to do that. I'm going to, I'll just say it. If I was your pastor, I would probably say, you know, churches have reputations too. And nobody's responsible for the reputation of the church than the members of the church. I would say to you, probably tomorrow, nobody in Richardson is going to wake up and think, who's not a member of this church, I wonder what I can do today to improve the reputation of First Baptist Church Richardson. Nobody out there is going to think that. That's the responsibility of the people here, but I'm not the pastor, so I'm not going to go there. All that to say... David, what made him so usable and so useful in the kingdom? His heart was in the right place, but in addition to that, he was a dependable person. He had a good reputation. I don't know how to say this next thing. I'm going to say it in three ways. I guess you could say he had good habits. I guess you could say... uh, He had a lot of personal discipline. Or maybe you might better say it, he just made the most of what God had given him. So let me explain what I mean by that. Three three examples. One, so he was pretty good with the sling. Now, the the slings they used back in those days were not the slingshots like maybe we grew up with. They were a whole different kind of a long, long leather strip, a little leather pouch in the middle. You hold them together, put a rock in the middle, swing it around. It seems complicated to me. But David was pretty good at it. As a matter of fact, when he goes down to battle the giant Goliath, anybody here think that was a lucky shot? I don't think so. As a matter of fact, if you read the story of David, it says that while he was guarding the sheep, he had fended off the lion and the bear, so he was a brave young man, but he was good with the sling. It seems to me like it probably took a lot of personal practice to get that good at it. 
And then music. We already talked about that for a minute. Now, I, I guess I'm pretty sure he had a natural gift for music. Not everybody has that. I don't. You know, my father has a degree in music. I got nothing. So some people have that. But it seems to me like David made the most of it. Has some good habits, and, you know, personal discipline to, to practice. Made the most of the talent and ability God gave him. So much so that he was the one invited to play for the king. I don't think they've just, they just aren't going to select anybody. Had to be good. And then the Psalms. Half of the Psalms are written by David. I'm not a writer, but those who do write have a, an ability to do so. But they perfect it. They, they have a gift, but they, they, they make the most of it. It seemed like he, to, to write like he wrote those Psalms, a lot of practice, a lot of, you know, habit of taking the time to do it. I simply say he made the most of what God had given him. Have you ever heard of the the 40-day rule? 40-day rule says basically if you can do something or not do something for 40 days, I kind of think the whole Lenten season is based upon the 40-day rule. I'm going to give up whatever for Lent for these 40 days. So, But but the 40-day rule says if you can start something or stop something and stick with it for 40 days, at the end of those 40 days, it, it may become a habit or a pattern for you. So let's just think about that for a second. Here we are, June the 18th, 40 days from now, let's just say six weeks. If you you stretch out to the end of July, let's just go to the end of July. So today, what do you need to start doing for the next six weeks to the end of July that would help you spiritually? Read your Bible every day, pray every day, set some time aside to do that, What's it, what's it, what would it be that would put you in a better spiritual position at the end of July than you are today? And would you start today to do that? What about um, relationships? Anything relationally that you could, could start doing that would enhance your relationships at home, at work, at church? And would you start doing this today? Financially, what would benefit you financially that you could start doing today? Spend more wisely, uh, maybe save better, maybe give more to the church or start giving at all to the church. Maybe that would be a good step in the right direction. So what do you need to start doing? And then and you could keep that up to the end of July or turn that coin over. What do you need to stop doing? What, 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 you, what, would, what would help us, what would help me, if I stopped doing this and, and stuck with it for the next, you know, to the end of July, I'd be in a better place personally and spiritually and financially and relationally if I, if I stopped doing this. Can help me make the most of what God has blessed me with. Practice some personal discipline. Put in some good habits. What would that be? So David, he had his heart in the right place, but kind of read between the lines. He was dependable. He had a good reputation, and he made the most of what God had given him. Oh, now, David was not perfect. He had flaws, and they were pretty serious. As a matter of fact, we could do a whole sermon on that. But today, we just go back and say his heart was in the right place that made him usable and useful. 
And these other characteristics benefited him greatly. Might do the same for you and me. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the day, the blessings of the day, our time together. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the example of David. And Father, I pray that for any of us, for all of us, this morning, you would just show us what is it that uh, needs to change. What can I do better? Father, to... uh, be more of someone others can count on to be to improve the reputation of myself, my family, my church. Just, Father, we just give these next few minutes to you. Impress upon us the decision we need to make. And that's our prayer. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.